the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, take your staff and stretch out your hand over the waters of, the, of Egypt, over the streams and canals, over the ponds and all the reservoirs, that they may be turned to blood. Blood will be everywhere in Egypt, even in the wooden buckets and stone jars. Moses and Aaron did just as the Lord had commanded. He raised his staff and in the presence of Pharaoh and his officials and, and struck the water of the Nile. And all the water was changed into blood. The fish in the Nile died and the river smelled so badly that the Egyptians could not drink its water. Blood was everywhere in Egypt. But the Egyptian magicians did the same things by their secret arts. And Pharaoh's heart became hard. He would not listen to Moses and Aaron. Just as the Lord had said, instead he turned and went into his palace and did not take even this to heart. And all the Egyptians dug along the Nile to get drinking water because they could not drink the water of the river. Seven days passed after the Lord struck the Nile. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh and say to him, this is what the Lord says, let my people go so that it may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will plague your whole country with frogs. The Nile will teem with frogs. They will come up into your palace and your bedroom and onto your bed, into the houses of your officials and on your people and into your ovens and kneading troughs. The frogs will go up on you and your people and all over officials. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, Stretch out your hand with your staff over the streams and canals and ponds and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land. But the magicians did the same things by their secret arts. They also made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Pray to the Lord to take the frogs away from me and my people and I will let your people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, I leave, you the, I, I leave to you the honour of setting the time for me to pray for you and your officials and your people, that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs, except for those that remain in the Nile. Tomorrow, Pharaoh said. Moses replied, it will be as you say, so that you may know there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs will leave you and your houses, your officials and your people. They will only remain in the Nile. After Moses and Aaron left Pharaoh, Moses cried out to the Lord about the frogs he had brought on Pharaoh. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The frogs died in the houses, in the courtyards and in the fields. They were piled into heaps and the land reeked of them. But when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said. The 
Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the ground, and throughout the land of Egypt the dust will become gnats. They did this, and when Aaron stretched out his hand with the staff and struck the dust of the ground, gnats came up upon men and animals. All the dust throughout the land of Egypt became gnats. But when the magicians tried to produce gnats by their own secret arts, they could not, and the gnats were on men and animals. The Egypt magicians said to Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hard, and he would not listen, just as the Lord had said. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning and confront Pharaoh as he goes to the water, and say to him, This is what the Lord says, Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you do not let my people go, I will send swarms of flies on you and your officials, on your people and into your houses. The houses of the Egyptians will be full of flies and even the ground where they are. But on that day, I will deal differently with the land of Goshen, where my people live. No swarms of flies will be there, so that you will know that I, the Lord, am in this land. I will make a distinction between my people and your people. This miraculous sign will occur tomorrow. And the Lord did this. Dense swarms of flies poured into Pharaoh's palace and into the houses of his officials. And throughout Egypt, the land was ruined by the flies. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Go, sacrifice to your God here in the land. But Moses said, that would not be right. These sacrifices we offer the Lord our God would be detestable to the Egyptians. And if we offer sacrifices that are detestable in their eyes, they will, not, will they not stone us? We must take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God as he commands us. Pharaoh said, I will let you go to your sacrifices to the Lord your God in the desert, but you must not go very far. Now, pray for me. Moses answered, As soon as I leave you, I will pray to the Lord, and tomorrow the flies will leave Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Only be sure that Pharaoh does not act deceitfully again by not letting the people go to offer sacrifices to the Lord. Then Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord did what Moses asked. The flies left Pharaoh and his officials and his people. Not a fly remained. But this time also, Pharaoh hardened his heart and would not let the people go.
Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them back, the hand of the Lord will bring a terrible plague on your livestock in the field, on your horses and donkeys and camels, and on your cattle and sheep and goats. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and that of Egypt, so that no animal belonging to the Israelites will die. The Lord set a time and said, Tomorrow the Lord will do this in the land. And the next day the Lord did it. All the livestock of the Egyptians died, but not one animal belonging to the Israelites died. Pharaoh sent men to investigate and found that not even one of the animals of the Israelites had died. Yet his heart was unyielding, and he would not let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take handfuls of soot from a furnace, and have Moses toss it into the air in the presence of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over the whole land of Egypt, and festering boils will break out on men and animals throughout the land. So they took soot from a furnace and stood before Pharaoh. Moses tossed it into the air, and festering boils broke out on men and animals. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils that were on them and on all the Egyptians. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not listen to Moses and Aaron, just as the Lord had said to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Get up early in the morning, confront Pharaoh and say to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. Let my people go, so that they may worship me. Or in this time I will send the full force of my plagues against you and against your officials and your people, so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth, for by now I could have stretched out my hand and struck you and your people with a plague that would have wiped you off the earth. But I have raised you up for this very purpose, that I might show you my power and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. You still set yourself against my people and will not let them go. Therefore, at this time tomorrow, I will send the worst hailstorm, the worst hailstorm that has ever fallen on Egypt, from the day it was founded till now. Give an order now to bring your livestock and everything you have in the field to a place of shelter, because the hail will fall on every man and animal that has not been brought in, and is still out in the field, and they will die. Those officials of Pharaoh, who feared the word of the Lord, hurried to bring their slaves and their livestock inside. But those who ignored the word of the Lord 
left their slaves and livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward the sky so that hail will fall over all over Egypt, on men and animals and on everything growing in the fields of Egypt. When Moses stretched out his staff towards the sky, the Lord sent thunder and hail and lightning flashed down to the ground. So the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Hail fell and lightning flashed back and forth. It was the worst storm in all the land of Egypt since it had become a nation. Throughout Egypt, hail struck everything in the fields, both men and animals. It beat down everything growing in the fields and stripped away every tree. The only place it did not hail was the land of Goshen, where the Israelites were. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron. This time I have sinned, he said to them. The Lord is in the right, and I have my people, and I and my people are in the wrong. Pray to the Lord, for we have had enough thunder and hail. I will let you go. You don't have to stay any longer. Moses replied, when I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands in prayer to the Lord. The thunder will stop and there will be no more hail, so you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But I know that you and your officials still do not fear the Lord God. The flax and barley were destroyed since the barley had headed and the flax was in bloom. The wheat and spelt, however, were not destroyed because they ripened later. Then Moses left Pharaoh and went out of the city. He spread out his hands toward the Lord. The thunder and hail stopped and the rain no longer poured down on the land. When Pharaoh saw that the rain and hail and thunder had stopped, he sinned again. He and his officials hardened their hearts. So Pharaoh's heart was hard and he would not let the Israelites go, just as the Lord had said through Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his officials so that I may perform these miraculous signs of mine among them, that you may tell your children and grandchildren how I dealt harshly with the Egyptians and how I performed my signs among them, and that you may know that I am the Lord. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, says. How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go, so that they may worship me. If you refuse to let them go, I will bring locusts into your country tomorrow. They will cover the face of the ground so that it cannot be seen. They will devour what little you have left after the hail, including every tree that is growing in your fields. 
they will fill your houses and all of your officials and all the Egyptians, something neither your fathers nor your forefathers have ever seen before from the day they settled them in, in this land till now. Then Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials said to him, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the people go so that they may worship the, the Lord their God. Do you not yet realize that Egypt is ruined? Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship the Lord your God, he said, but just who will be going? Moses answered, we will go with our young and old, with our sons and daughters, and with our flocks and herds, because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. Pharaoh said, the Lord be with you. If I let you go, along with your women and children, clearly you are bent on evil. No, have only the men go and worship the Lord, since that's what you have been asking for. Then Moses and Aaron were driven out of Pharaoh's presence. And the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over Egypt so that locusts will swarm over the land and devour everything in the fields and everything left by the hail. So Moses stretched out his staff over Egypt and the Lord made an east wind blow across the land all that day and all that night. By morning, the wind had brought the locusts. They invaded all Egypt and settled down in every area of the country in great numbers. Never before had there been such a plague of locusts, nor will there ever be again. They covered all the ground until it was black. They devoured all that was left in the land after the hail, everything growing in the fields and the fruit on the trees. Nothing green remained on tree or plant in all the land of Egypt. Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now forgive my sin once more and pray to the Lord your God to take this deadly plague away from me. Moses then left Pharaoh and prayed to the Lord. And the Lord changed the wind to a very strong west wind, which caught up all the locusts and carried them into the Red Sea. Not a locust was left anywhere in Egypt. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he would not let the Israelites go. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, so that darkness will spread over Egypt, darkness that can be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand towards the sky, and total darkness covered all Egypt for three days. No one could see anyone else or leave his place for three days. Yet all the Israelites had light in the places where they lived. Then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, Go worship the Lord. Even your women and children may go with you. 
only leave your flocks and herds behind. But Moses said, You must allow us to have sacrifices and burnt offerings to present to the Lord our God. Our livestock, too, must go with us. Not a hoof is to be left behind. We have to use some of them in worshipping the Lord our God. And until we get there, we will not know what we are to use to worship the Lord. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he was not willing to let them go. Pharaoh said to Moses, Get out of my sight! Make sure you do not appear before me again! The day you see my face, you will die! Just as you say, Moses replied, I will never appear before you again. This is the word of the Lord. Great, God's power is still at work. Did you see it went dark when the darkness came? I didn't expect that. God knew what he was doing. So, here we are. There are three players in this passage and three and nine plagues. Let me see, this isn't working yet. Let me just get this going. And here we see, above everything else, God's power is displayed. And as we start, we need to make sure the purpose, why God's power is displayed. Why does God uh, ask Pharaoh to let the people go? If we could have the next slide. Sorry, this isn't quite caught up yet. Again and again, Pharaoh is told that he must let the people go so that they may worship God in the desert. And just as that's their purpose, it should be our purpose too. Our first purpose should be to worship the Lord our God. I filled in a grant application last week, and it asked, what are the overall aims and objectives of your organization? And I wrote, we seek to worship God in spirit and truth. That was the first thing. We create a community of disciples who follow Jesus, and we reach out to show his love to those in need in our locality. Our first priority is to worship God. It's something only we do. Only we worship God. Other people help all sorts of other people in all sorts of ways. But our purpose, our first purpose, is to worship God. So in your diaries, I was thinking about my diary. On Sunday mornings, I write the times of the service. Um, and um, I put whether I'm leading or preaching or whatever. I think from now on, I'd like to put 9 o'clock, worship. 10.30, worship. That's what we come to do. That's what Sunday mornings is about. Let's make sure that's the first thing in our diaries. That's the thing that never gets moved or pushed aside. Let my people go so that they may worship me. That's what God requires of us, just as he required it of Israel all those years ago. So, the Lord has a point to make, and he has a point to make because... Uh, Pharaoh doesn't know who he is. Pharaoh's big question is, who is the Lord? And so God has to step in at this point of history and do something dramatic to make sure 
that Pharaoh understands who is the Lord so that he will set his people free. And in the ancient world, it was generally agreed that all the different people groups had their own gods and it was agreed that the one who ruled over the others was the one with the most powerful god. So if you were in charge, your god was more powerful than the people you ruled. And this is why it made no sense for Pharaoh, who has the power, to think of ever obeying the God of the Hebrew slaves who have no power. So Moses says, who is this God? Who is the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? He's saying, I don't know this Lord and I will not let Israel go. He was the most powerful man in the world. He saw himself as a God. The Pharaohs were seen as descendants of gods. His word was law. His power was displayed across the land. People came to give him gifts. He didn't answer other people's demands. It just wasn't in his job description to set slaves free. This was not something he was going to do. And so God knows that Pharaoh will not listen to him. God knows about Pharaoh's arrogance and his ignorance. And so the battle commences. God has a point to make that his power is greater than any other power. And what we need to see is that Pharaoh is not saying, you can't believe in your God to Moses and the Hebrews. What he's saying is, um, you have your faith and I have mine. Just don't try and impose your beliefs upon me. Don't say your God is greater than my God. And isn't this the same for us today? We live in a world where people are happy for us to come and worship on a Sunday morning. They don't mind that we're here. They don't think it's offensive generally. Not until we try and tell them that our God is a great God. That's when people get offended. People trust in all sorts of other gods in our day. They trust in their pension and their health insurance, their career or their family. They trust in their political party. They trust in their neighborhood watch scheme to keep them safe. But isn't there someone else? Someone who is the Lord. Someone who we can really trust and believe in. For we know that God stepped into history Just as he stepped into history all these years ago, he stepped into history in an even more dramatic way when Jesus came to set us free from sin and death. How much more should we trust and believe in the one who came to save us, whose death and mighty resurrection show the ultimate power over God and all creation? So this is a drama with three main players. Pharaoh thinks he's in a tussle with Moses, but in fact, he's up against the God who made the heavens and the earth. And this God, at this point, means business. And before we get to the plagues and the suffering that they inflict, we have to remember that the people of God have suffered for many, many decades at this point. They are slaves, and slavery is never a nice thing to be part of. There are no days off, there's no holiday pay, no union, no protection. These slaves have seen their children murdered in an attempt to wipe out their nation. They have no rights, they are the property of Pharaoh. And when God says, 
let my people go, he is in effect saying, I want to take from you your workforce of 600,000 men. I want to change your economic structure in your nation forever. And because of this, because of this great thing that God is asking, he's going to have to inflict considerable suffering on Egypt to break down and break through the, oppres the oppression that they've become so good at. And we should see that God starts with warnings. He starts with warnings of what will come. He could have gone straight to the very last plague that we'll get to next week, the plague of the death of the firstborn. He starts with these first nine as signs of what is to come. But Pharaoh refuses to accept who's in control. And so the plagues get worse and worse and the outcome is inevitable. Because the Lord is the true God. And no matter how many gods the Egyptians have, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. There's a sense that the plagues follow one another as they defeat all the different gods of Israel. We have, remember, the blood in the Nile, then the frogs before the gnats and the flies, then the plague hits the livestock before the people are afflicted, afflicted with boils, then the hail comes to destroy from the sky, followed by the winds bringing the locusts and the darkness, the darkness that could be felt that lasted for days. The plagues come from the water, the land and the sky. And there's a sense that each plague shows God's power to be greater than the gods of the Egyptians. There were, by one estimate, 1,400 different gods that the Egyptians worshipped. So there were plenty for the R1 God to overcome. And here, there's the defeat of Happy, the god of the Nile, of Hek, who had the head of a frog, of Set, who should have protected against the chaos of the flies and the gnats. There was a bull god and a cow god, Apis and Hathor, who were beaten as the livestock die. There was a lion-headed goddess who should have been able to fight against the boils, but she couldn't. There was Nut, the sky goddess, who should have protected against the hail and the wind that brought the locusts. And finally, there was the great god Ra, the sun god, associated with Pharaoh himself, who's defeated as the darkness covers the land for three days. You see, in this land of many gods, perhaps the point of the many plagues is to show that the power of the one true God is greater than all of these put together. And God knows this will not be short and simple. There are hundreds of years of preconceptions to reverse. Egypt has worshipped their gods for year upon year, as long as anyone can remember. And it isn't easy to completely change someone's mind, to reframe their outlook completely. And for Pharaoh, God seems to have a plan to make sure he gets this point. For in the first plagues, Pharaoh's hard heart will not give way. Yet for the last plagues, God will complete his plan by hardening Pharaoh's heart. He hardens his heart so that he can completely show his power in control of everything. He hardens his heart also so that the Hebrews will remember that his power was greater 
that he is the Lord, their God. So things gradually get worse and worse. It looks as though some of the officials of Pharaoh want the people to be set free. But Pharaoh's heart is hard. He's chosen his path and he cannot get off it. This is an uneven battle, Pharaoh against God. Creation is unravelling around Pharaoh. The water no longer brings fertility to the fields. The animals have dominion over the people. Instead of rains to produce life, the sky drops death. The light is squashed by deep, deep darkness. And however much control the king of Egypt seems to have over his subjects and his slaves, it will never be enough against this onslaught by the Lord. By the end of the plagues, Pharaoh has learned who the Lord is. And yet there's still one more plague to come that we'll look at next week. And what of the other player? What of Moses? Do you remember how he started at the burning bush, trying with all his might to get out of this job that God was calling him to? Moses makes all of these excuses at first. He tries to tell God that he's not the person God wants. Last week, we heard how Moses returned to God and asked him the question, why have you brought all this trouble upon your people? Moses is still arguing with God, but now, in these passages, we see Moses completely confident as he confronts Pharaoh. He confronts him at the Nile. He confronts him in the morning. He confronts him despite all the chaos that is brought to the land. Moses might often need Aaron with him, but we see that above all else, he is confident. He is in command. And his position grows stronger and stronger. This is a very technical graph that I put together <laughs> that shows Pharaoh's power against Moses' power. And at first, Pharaoh is saying to, uh, Moses is saying to Pharaoh, you can decide the time that I pray for you. By the end, Moses is in complete control. Pharaoh is saying, get out and never come back. I can't bear to see you again. I can't face up to you again because you have the power that I have lost. And what's the difference between Pharaoh and Moses throughout all that happens here? The difference is that Moses is obedient. He obeys the word of the Lord. Moses experiences God's provision and power and presence. Moses sees that power at work. Moses now knows who this God is. He is given the words to say and the directions that make it all happen. And he knows that God is with him. And he takes on Pharaoh in this great arm wrestle for a nation. God still has power in our day. It may seem that God's people are small and insignificant. There's many more people out there down at Gunwharf Quay than we'll be meeting in the churches of this city today. But God still has power. And we have this Lord with us. And we have had an even greater display of his power that we can trust and rely upon. For we live in the reality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ of all the signs and wonders that God has ever performed, this is the greatest of them all. For God defeated sin and death 
and set us free from the universal curse that enslaved all humanity. We are set free because of that resurrection. We have the power of a hope that can never be shaken. Don't know if you've picked up on the death of a TV presenter called Caroline Flack, someone who seemed to have everything in the world. And yet, she took her own life. She had no hope. She had no hope for the future, despite having what the world seemed was to have everything. And she took her life. We have this hope. We have this hope. We have the provision of God's love and joy and peace. We have his presence, the presence of his Holy Spirit to go with us. So let's not be anxious or worried about what the future holds for us as individuals or for our church. For we know who is the Lord. We know this Lord. We know his power and we can confidently move forward because he is with us. Let's pray. Lord, help us to live in the light of your love, obedient to your word, and confident of your power, provision, and presence. For you will always be with us and never leave us. Amen. And if you are here this morning and you don't yet know who this Lord is, there will be people ha happy to pray with you over in the prayer corner after the service or after you've had communion. So come and meet this Lord and find his presence at work in your life if that's yet to happen for you.